recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada, a Get a Grip management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Financially supported by the good folks at the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, this is Restoring Darkness podcast. This episode of Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Evluma. If you're serious about contributing to the reduction of light pollution, go to evluma.com, hover over products, and click on Dark Sky Friendly Lighting. Both the Omnimax and Ariamax lights are International Dark Sky Association certified. The warmer color temperatures of the Omnimax reduce the more easily scattered blue wavelengths, which contribute to glare and sky glow. With Ariamax lights, you get full cutoff, which also means no uplight and a significantly reduced contribution to sky glow. And all of Avluma's outdoor lighting product lines come with dimmable drivers for even more control. If your customer is looking for dark sky friendly fixtures with energy savings while still meeting the demands of decorative lighting, look no further than Evluma. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Hello folks, Michael Colligan here. Just a quick preface at the beginning of this episode. This is part two of my conversation with Tim Brothers. So if you want to get the full context of what we're talking about, you may want to go back one episode and listen to the first episode. Or not, it's up to you. It kind of took a different turn in the second half. So this is the second part, though, of Tim Brothers and I on Restoring Darkness. Here it comes. You know, there's a Jevons paradox going on with outdoor LED lighting. And I think it's driven by safety. And I'm putting safety in quotes, but and I'm, I'm going to give all the respect to the people that have researched this because their research is legit. They say, you know, the more light you add, the, we seem to have less crime. I think we have less of a certain type of crime, perhaps. Um, whatever crime they're particularly measuring, okay? But we don't know what the optimal point of that is. You know, we like that's where I think with controls, and this is where the, you know, just to loop back to that, where, you know, the you go to, and I love the folks at PNNL, okay? Um, Pacific Northwest National Laboratory. Um, and they're, they have a deep study of lighting controls right now, but it's all on the inside. They're all looking at inside the, the facility and most lighting guys will say you know what in the retrofit world most people are not going to implement a sophisticated control system if they change their lights because they're going to do it incrementally they're going to do certain areas first they may yeah. want to have the odd op- passive infrared occupancy sensor on their on their lights but they don't want any deep control of those lights like they're going to say a customer is going to say why do i want an app on my phone to control the warehouse lights i just want them on when someone's in the rack aisle and off when someone isn't like, I don't need anything else other than that. Um, and a lot of I, people are going to get mad at me, Scotty, but um, for saying that. But to the outdoor, think of the things researchers could look at if we deploy these sophisticated control systems that they have now, okay, with occupancy sensing, data collection, um, light levels, color temperatures. You could compare streets in different neighborhoods that are very similar, look at crime outcomes. I mean... Giving lighting control to municipalities over their street lighting seems like such an amazing idea, and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, it, it it's an interesting issue, and, and I think one one issue in terms of like so I, I mentioned you know Massachusetts because that's where I live, and we happen to be employing these controls all over the place. So it's state subsidized; they're getting the lights and the control packages, and then you know 
they're in this situation where, okay, so then what's the incentive in using them, right? So if you don't know a lot about lighting or you don't know a lot about the issues of lighting, you're just some administrator in a town or a city, if you're not able to even recoup the savings on the back end, so this is a this is another issue with, with something I never thought I'd care about, which is the word tariff. Um, and what we found is that we're pushing everybody to use all this new technology, but they're still getting a, a capped rate. So for example, if your town, for example, my town, some of these lights are now at certain points in the night, six or eight watts, right? This is awesome, wow. right? We're saving yes. tons and tons of energy. This is amazing. So, you know, the project was proposed to save 70% with, with using the controls, we're actually saving 81%. So, so wow. we pushed the savings even further. Awesome, great. But guess what? We're still getting charged 25 watts all night long. 25 cents a kilowatt hour, or no? 25. What? We're getting charged whatever the rate is. I don't. I can't tell you what the cents per per kilowatt. But we're we're getting charged 25 watts per hour for the light, even if we're using six or eight watts. Why is that? Uh, so this is this structure we have in Massachusetts, and I'm not sure how other states approach this but basically the way it says is there's a rate making authority the bottom rate is capped at 25 watts even when you're doing yeah so so it disincentivizes a lot of towns so we talk to some towns and we say well why don't you just cut them to 50 percent you 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 got sold in this one-to-one -one conversion we can help you save some more carbon even if you just want to look at it from that perspective well we're never going to recoup the savings so why bother right the so ROI it's just the question is a big problem the ROI question is a big problem. It's a big problem. So, and also, like, the, the utility does need a certain amount of revenue in order, because the utility is responsible to maintain those poles, correct? Uh, not necessarily. So a lot of towns are buying oh. out the equipment. The, the, the utility might own the pole, so okay. the real estate. But in many cases now, the towns are buying out. It, it, it's really a mishmash. So it, it can be that the town buys everything. It might have their own municipal lighting authority. Or in many cases, there's probably two power companies in the state. And this is the case for generally New England, um, where you have a couple companies running the show and they own the pole, but the town maybe bought into the streetlight, maybe they bought into some maintenance program. And um, you know, they the, the, at the end of the day, the Department of Public Utilities negotiates with the utility, whatever that rate is. And, and for the most part, in most places, because they're unmetered lighting, they're capped at 25 watts. So that's one of the things that our, our legislation would fix, would actually start setting, uh, uh, allow the DPU to, to set what those those new rate schedules would be. And that we hope with incentivizing, actually utilizing this technology you've already paid for uh, to start setting it to whatever your community needs, um, you could start setting it, but you could start capturing the savings on the other side. I You know, I have to say something that's, you know, going to be, maybe a little crude, but I'm going to give you, you talked about Massachusetts a lot. Okay. And, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ontario. Sure. So, um, I'm Canadian and Ontario is largely a dark sky place, by the way, because it's enormous and most people don't live. You just start driving North and you hit, <laughs> you're in the dark sky zone, um, right. pretty quick. Uh, but not really where anyone lives, but the, uh, you know, I have to say that, you know, I've, in, in understanding these issues from the lighting perspective, the darkness perspective and this sort of stuff, and then also the climate change perspective, did you know that Ontario's energy production is like 95% free of carbon? Did you know that? 
I wouldn't have expected you to say that. Yeah. And did you know that that Ontario has to pay many U.S. states to take that energy? Has to pay them? Yeah, so it's a negative kilowatt hour charge. So Ontario huh. produces so much nuclear energy that you okay. can't turn nuclear on and off. It's either running or it isn't. Right. Okay. At the, I don't know if it's three or four years ago, I went to see a presentation on electric vehicle chargers. And the president of OPG stood up, stood up and said, hey, guess what, guys? If, Ontario, if every Ontarian buys an electric car, the price of electricity will go down in Ontario. Interesting. Okay. Now, you, you hear whenever you hear about Canada, all you hear about is Alberta and the oil sands and all this kind of stuff, right? Dirty energy, all That's this true. stuff. Right? So, you know, like I, I often do this to people. What do you think, which country do you think is more efficient in electricity? Germany or uh, Bavaria or Baden-Württemberg or Ontario? And they all say Baden-Württemberg because of all their solar panels. But Germany produces 500 times more carbon emissions from their electricity per person than Ontario. Five. They also got rid of their uh, nuclear reactors, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, but 500 times. Yeah. Okay. Quebec is also another um, zero carbon emission electricity jurisdiction. You think the politicians would be screaming this from the rooftops, do you not? You would think that, hey, uh, you know, northeast of the United States... You want clean energy? We got tons of, we're in a wash of clean energy here in Ontario and Quebec. In fact, if you just paid for it, even five cents a kilowatt hour, we could hook you up to us and you, you don't have to build any nuclear power plants and you don't have to dam any of your rivers. Because Quebec is all hydro and Ontario is all nuclear. And they have, I think they've idling three nuclear power plants in Ontario. Just idle, they're turned off. Turn them on and psh, you got tons of energy. We got, we got more energy than we know what to do with in Ontario and Quebec. And like you'd think that the prime premier of Ontario would be going to Michigan. Hey, Gretchen, what do you got going on? You want to go clean? Forget about that. that you know, don't get into the natural gas pipelines right now. I'm on off topic here. Okay, like, 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 you know, Ontario and Michigan are not really places to live without natural gas right now. But why don't you hook up to this grid here and we'll, you can shut off all your coal power, power, all your coal power plants. Like, why, like, are these people stupid or what? Like, I, I look at this and I say, how could the Premier of Ontario in 2022, in the age of carbon emission reduction, not be talking about this every single day? I don't understand that. It boggles the mind, Tim. I'm, I'm serious. It, it, it pisses me off. I talk to my kids. It's, do the, does the teachers ever tell you and all of your negativity about how bad everything is and the world's going to die and the polar bears are going extinct and everything else? Do they ever tell you that all of the electricity in Ontario is carbon free? Never. Nobody knows about it. That's I, I don't understand. Yeah. I, this is all new to me, to be honest. <laughs> Like, it's mind-boggling to me. But this is where I, I often wonder, how the hell are we making decisions? Like, the name of your town where they did this study makes sense. How come, like, the, at the top, what's going on up there that we can't get this done with the controls and the lighting and the energy and all these sorts of things? Why is it, what, what's actually going on? It, it bothers me a little bit, Tim, that, you know, that, you know, this is where um, the trade association that pays for this podcast comes in. And we're trying to bring the knowledge of all those practitioners, frontline lighting practitioners, to the table. And it's very difficult. They don't want to be listened. Like, people don't want to listen to distributors. And then 
um, you know, it, it's a problem. But I think I think that's 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 the issue is that I'm not sure the people at the top of this pyramid know what they're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you could certainly say that about the, the policymakers, right? So, you know, we've been we've been trying to pass, you know, and it seems like a no-brainer, right? Just just what's the point of shining light upward? Just if you, never mind, even before LEDs, right? Like, why has it taken three decades to pass lighting legislation in Massachusetts, right? We're we're supposedly this this green progressive state. We're the only state in the Northeast. Even I think Nevada just passed a <laughs> an outdoor lighting. Uh, legislation. Uh, Those the, damn the Nevada Vegas. They're, be they're below us. <laughs> well, I mean, like a... <laughs> they, they have this huge Las Vegas, you know, lighting, you know, outdoor display, um, sure. but they can pass that. Um, but the Massachusetts has trouble. I, I think getting people to, and part of this, I think gets back to one of your original questions was, you know, should we be focusing on the word dark and, and, and sort of this misnomer about, you know, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Um, we've, we sort of have to reframe what this is about and and sometimes you have to get to the money question and then that's why we've really focused on that in the legislation you know there's a bunch of good stuff there's there's shielding there's color temperature there's there's you know illumination levels um there's there's doing studies of reflectorized roadway markers but really you know it's the selling point is is enabling people to capture the the, the savings um because sometimes you know people's attention span is just a little too short and uh, it, it's hard to, to move the, to, to capture all of these sort of loftier goals of preserving the Milky Way. Um, there, there's not as big of a constituency in people's ears about that, unfortunately. Um, hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not sure where I was going with that other than I think <laughs> at the end of the day, it, it's, it's about money. I, I am surprised though about what you're saying about- I know, think, I don't think it happening. is about money. I disagree with you on that. I mean, I think, I think it's partially about money, but um, in the United States, just as an observer, I think it's about political score settling. I think all of this stuff gets lost in the um, in the uh, in the Democrat versus Republican. I support my American. I support my football team on Sunday. Problem you guys have, like. I've never seen anything in my life in any of the countries where I've been to that are like British soccer fans and American football fans, like football fans in America. And there seems to be sure. like that, that, you know, religion has been replaced by football and politics in the United States. And there's like this team mentality that is in it where the most important thing is to beat the other team. And whether that's you're a Republican or a Democrat or whatever, and instead of actually yeah. saying, hey, you know what, uh, you know, whether, you, you know, hey, I don't care if you're into carbon emissions or not, but look at all this great clean energy we have here. Why don't we sell it? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, who cares about how you can brand yourself or tie your party up into this or whatever? What about the people of Massachusetts? What about the people of Ontario? What about them? And how can we help them? How can we make their lives better? How can we lower their electricity costs while achieving our aims of reducing pollution? You know, it's like, instead, it's got to be, well, this is our issue and it's not their issue and we need to capture it. And how do we strategically use it as a baton to beat the crap out of them? I, I don't understand that. Like, that's where I think, you know, there's been a breakdown and why we can't seem to get things done because the priority isn't about 
darkness restoration or dark skies or carbon emissions. It's about winning the next election and making your opponent, humiliating your opponent or, you know, you know, whatever. That, I, that's where I get a little bit hopeless when I see that the focus, you're, these people are spending 90% of their time on politics. Or, uh, well, I don't even know you want to call it politics, but mudslinging or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we certainly see a lot of pushback for that sort of nonsensical, you know, division of perceived tribe, right? So, um, you know, we see that especially on the local levels. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're in, you know, Texas, New York, California, or, or Massachusetts, um, doing things like, say, passing ordinances or bylaws get to be a really heated, if you've ever been to a town meeting, I don't know if Canada has local town meetings to decide. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so we still, uh, especially in New England, we have, we have these, you know, once or twice a year town meetings to decide things. And and they're, they're a mudslinging fest, right? So it doesn't matter if you're doing something that benefits every single person in the town. Uh, half the people will divide themselves up and say, well, I'm against that, you know for whatever nonsensical reason. Um, and, and we've certainly seen that with even just sensible lighting policy, like, you know, let's let's just, you know, make sure that lights don't, we've had people argue about um, basic things like, um, I wanna have the right, you know, when we try to propose, uh, you know, light trespass rules uh, to say that, you know, you can't spill into someone's bedroom window. Well, I wanna have the right to, to spill whatever light I want into that person's window, it's my light. You know, we've had people make that argument. Um, and so it just gets absurd. Uh, so you have to you have to sort of pick your battle sometimes. So when are the adults going to show up at the meeting? <laughs> We're still waiting. Um, <laughs> I think part of this part of this has to do with, you know, doing the work. Right. So it takes a lot the, the 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 sausage making part, which is creating a constituency, creating awareness, educating people that takes takes a while. Um, but education doesn't replace, at the end of the day, regulation. You have to have some line drawn in the sand for people to guide them. You have to have some sort of guide rail um, that, to help people make better decisions. Because you can't expect the decision makers to be an encyclopedia where they know every single issue about anything, particularly about lighting. It gets really technical. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm still learning every single day. And so it's really important just to put things down on paper and say, this is what this is what we have to do, um, and, and we have to all join hands, whether you like it or not. <laughs> We've spoken for fifty-five minutes, if you can believe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I want to finish with uh, so our distributors, which are often you know in the lighting community, um, we're often told to to stay in our lane, um, and uh, you know and uh, or kind of shunned a little bit, but. They came up with, uh, one of our committees came up with six strategies for darkness restoration and preservation. I'm just going to read them to you here. Industry alignment, advocacy, training, certification, enforcement, which is regulations and local ordinances and, 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 and bylaw officers and so on. Incentives, those are the six, right? And I think where we're, where we're, we have to start, like you said, if people walk into a lighting distribution store, or electrical distributor. And the person on the counter is saying, no, 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 man, you can't go 5,000K. Nobody does that anymore. You gotta go 2,700K and it's gotta be shielded. What are yep. you talking about? Yeah, no, no, dude, nobody does that anymore. You wouldn't believe how powerful the shaming of colleagues is within the nailed, okay? Like 
that it, one no 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 we don't do that anymore nobody does that anymore man come on you're a nail distributor you gotta start pushing the darkness issue you're on out onto your people come on you're an electrical distributor that's part of our group we gotta start pushing this we gotta help the, the people out there that's where that responsibility as a as a vocation of as a lighting professional comes in and we're so far away from industry alignment right now that you know and then we can't even get to training like we just we have to get the industry on board first and i think once the industry's on board and people are tra- are are being trained then we can move to the advocacy piece and start helping it out and i think you know from the ida's perspective i think they need to push into industry into the lighting industry and help them with training and help them with certification you know this is an ida certified person not just a fixture a person yeah, I, I, I want to draw a big circle around the training part. Um, that's something I've talked to a lot of different people about. And I think I'm seeing it in the big box source. So like when, you know, because a lot of lighting that's really bad, that's causing a large driver, I think, of this problem is the home do-it-yourself lighting, right? Somebody installs a new floodlight, new porch light. And I've seen, you know, completely polar opposite from reality, you know, spiels from the workers who work in those stores explaining, you know, this light is for this task, or I would use this light. Um, getting to the color temperature thing, we were talking about the perception of brightness, you know, you know, talking about this is this light will put out the most amount of light, you know, um, sort of steering people in the complete opposite direction we want people to be going in. Um, and then you're seeing it on, you know, the professional installers, the, the union trades people. The training is still not aligned with what the conversation we've had today, right? So there's still sort of pushing back and saying, well, the training I'm getting, and you can't blame them, right? Because they're getting bad training. On, on what they should be installing. You know, this wall pack that's just, you know, literally like 10 times too bright for the task um, and, and zero shielding. You know, someone at the store should be telling them that, maybe the, the buddy, the designer should be telling them that, but certainly when they go for those refresher courses, we could, be, we could be cleaning a lot of this up there as well. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, while Home Depot and that may be an issue, the vast majority of lights are sold by distribution, outdoor lighting. And so if we get to the distributors, which are organized, they have trade associations that represent them. They have, um, uh, you know, training programs that we could add to. Uh, I, you know, Home Depot is a tough one. You know, Lowe's is a tough one to kind of get in there and start, you know, because there's a lot of turnover too in those jobs. And yeah, um, I think I would leave that for the enforcement. But, and, um, but you, you are going to get the odd person in their outdoor rink in the winter that's going to, you know, go to Home Depot and just buy a thousand watt LED floodlight and, you know, 16 backyards are lit up in the area or whatever it is. But, um, and they're going to demand to be allowed to play hockey at midnight or whatever it is. But, you know, the vast majority of these lights were sold by distribution and DLC approved um, on their QPL. Right. And so we have avenues and I know the DLC is working really hard on their Luna program right now, but I think, you know, and I'm just going to say it. I think the DLC should come out and say, you know what? We screwed up and the lighting industry should come out and say, we screwed up and we messed up this lighting play. We're sorry, but we need to change all the outdoor lights we sold you in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so you bring up the the Luna program, for example, that came up in our, our chapter recently and, and I wasn't aware of it. And, and that's another thing that's sort of getting confusing too. So now you have like several different certification programs, mm-hmm. you know, whether yep. it's the IDA, you have this other nighttime yeah. one, there's a turtle friendly one, there's Luna yep. and, you know, Luna is a good start. I mean, I think they could go further, um, but, um, you know, I'm glad that we're finally acknowledging it. Um, but I think there needs to be a coordination because 
I sort of feel bad for the consumer, right? So I know about lighting, you know, you know about lighting, I can make some educated guess about what the right porch light is, mm -hmm. but people just want to buy something that's not going to cause problems, right? They, they don't want to cause a problem. So, so just making it easy for them, whether it's a, a you know, a really general sticker that applies, you know, get all the organizations to agree on something. Um, that, I, I, I disagree make it easy with the people. focus on products. Like that's where I think the IDA and Luna and me as a host of this podcast or whatever, we diverge. I think there's okay. way like products can be misapplied anytime you want. You know what I'm saying? Like you can take a product and you can shoot it straight. You can install it up like this. I mean, products are, li we're limited in, you know, to in products in its reach. We need certified people and companies. Okay. So take software. You have a, you have Microsoft, right? Which is a product. It works great, but you need that Microsoft certified partner that knows how to deploy that product for you intelligently. You know, and so I think I think we have to change focus away from products and on to people and train individuals in the in the the moral, ethical case, technical by the technical aspects of products, the deployment of controls, use cases, um, you know, uh, talk about factory walls. And then we need to devise a, a, a simply understood um uh, return on investment or benefit strategy for the clients. And if we've done all that, then we can go to and look for incentives from the government or from the utilities okay. or whatever. Yeah. So, so if you, so if you say that, okay, so let's say that, you know, the problem is, is not with the consumer. Um, I mean, then you're really talking about regulating the manufacturers, right? You're, or at least advising them in a really strong way. So, cause you, you you're trying to essentially, if I'm correct, trying to prevent them from making the bad product in the first place. No, right? you can't do that because you got to, you got to be able to go from prison yard to national park. Right. But only prison yards need to be lit up like prison yards. Not, you know what I'm saying? The, the local home Depot parking lot doesn't need to be lit up like a prison yard, you know? And so we have these app. It's the reason why it's difficult to penetrate this with product, with product um, certification is because the, you, you have so many different applications. Like I, I always say prison yard to, to national park, you got, and everything in between, you know, downtown, um, you know, small quaint downtowns are different than, you know, say downtown Toronto or downtown Boston, they have different needs. And so that's where we need to start with people. We need people to understand these concepts. We need people to, to, to be certified and trained by the IDA, by NAILED or by the IES. And then as those people learn to deploy, maybe we can get into some product specifications on color temperature, or maybe we could do it at the same time. But I think there's an over-focus on products. Slap a label on that thing. Good. Whew, whew, we're done. But people don't know what they're doing with it. They don't know where it applies. And if we don't solve that problem, Tim, I don't think we can get out of it. It's an interesting perspective. Um, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I think that's this, you know, this is sort of useful even for me in that, you know, we don't normally, we sort of are in our silos, right? We, we sort of mm -hmm. think about these problems from our perspective. And um, I think it's, it's been in some ways, you know, sometimes these are tough conversations because you sort of have these perspectives about what, what is the problem? And, and then I just want to take a, you know, a hammer to that nail and, and bang it down. Mm -hmm. But it, it 
I do think, you know, we all have a different story to tell uh, because we're experiencing these lights in different stages of their, their little, their own lifetime, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. whether the light was designed or, or you're talking about it from, you know, these few key people certifying. Lighting it. designers you know, don't know anything about darkness. Like, I mean, I don't think it matters if a, if a lighting system is, is done by a designer or not. And, you know, I know James Benier or someone's going to say, Colligan, what are you talking about? No, man, 95% of designers are not interested in outdoor light, first of all, like in, in serious application of outdoor light. And second of all, none of them have any darkness training. They don't know what they're doing either. So this idea that it's not, we need a lighting designers. Lighting designers don't have any darkness training, Tim. Yeah, I, I guess I was more saying on the person who's designing the light itself, even before, okay. you know, that you're talking about like the, you know, the person in the community designing light. And I think I, I know what you're saying about that, too. I think it's it's sort of, you know, our experience has been hit or miss, depending on who you hire. Um, you can get somebody who mm -hmm. is going to put prison lights everywhere, no matter what, and then you can get <laughs> somebody who who totally gets it right and, and, and does a beautiful job of, you know, mm -hmm. tucking lights under so there's no glare and, and, and all sorts of, you know fancy things. I, um, I think the fundamental problem is that Tim cannot walk into an electrical distributor anywhere in Massachusetts and have a conversation at the intelligent conversation at the counter about dark skies, darkness, restoration and preservation with anybody. Yeah, they definitely don't want to hear from me. <laughs> <laughs> but why? You have money. You want to buy lights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think there is an element of like you know come on man I just work here right you know they they don't want to be lectured. Um, I don't think and, it's a lecture. I think I think that you should be able to go into a Tim Brothers who wants to do yeah. you know X Y or Z should be able to walk into the local electrical distribution store and say okay I'm trying to do this project at the observatory and I need 25 wall packs, but I need them cut off. And he's like, you know what, man? We have this great premier manufacturer, but if you really, if you're on a tight budget, we also have this low cost guy and they're not controllable, but they're all 27K and they have photo cells on them and they're cut off. But you can get into this premium brand where it's controllable and you can have an app on the computer and you can address it and you can dim it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, if you go into a, a a lighting distributor in Arizona, they're going to know everything about landscape lighting. All that kind of information, you can have that dialogue. I think we got to train the distributors. I really believe that deep in my heart, Tim, that the way out of this is to train people that are frontline lighting practitioners, designers, agents, distributors, and contractors. and Find a way to train them. And then talk. have them talk to the distributors? Is that what you're saying? To, no, to have, educate them. have them talk to the customers, have them, talk, have okay. them be the deliverer of the message and make it super okay. cool to go darkness. I mean, trying to train the customers when the people who sell the stuff don't know anything about it is like, you know, you're going to have, you know, someone speak in Mandarin and the other person speak in Urdu. They're not going to connect. I think the training starts with, well, I think we need to start with industry alignment. And then once the industry says yes, then we go to training. And I think that's the way out. I, I really do. Training the industry, not the not trying to train the Home Depot associate or the, you know, the individual that lives in the city. They don't care about lighting. They just want it to be on. They just want it to work. The people that care about lighting should know about this. But how how do you then deal with, you know, like so much of the light? Because it's now it's so easy to install your own lighting. You don't need to hire an electrician. You know, how do you deal with, 
the person who, you know, okay, so we're on one hand we're talking about like what happens in your parking lot between you know the wall packs and and the and the elevated lighting, but then on another hand you're talking about, you know, one poorly placed floodlight that's aimed up upward, you know, can make more difference than 20 streetlights, um, you know. That that to me is worrisome too because I, I think if we haven't added you know parking lot lights or street lights in decades in some of these towns, but the you know the light pollution is growing three four times the national average, well why is that? It's it's there's a good chance a good portion of that are individuals making decisions on their own without well, that's the any background. Piece. That's the enforcement you know? piece. That's where you need enforcement. But should some of these high intensity lights with high color temperature even be sold at Home Depot? You know, is is that necessary? Uh, that's a great, I mean, yes. I mean, that could be, but you're going to be able to buy them somewhere. You know, and I, 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 I mean, you can make, it's the, it's the old adage, like they want to solve the problem of energy efficient, mitigation of energy efficiency by making all incandescents all illegal. Okay, that's one of their, let's just ban the incandescent light bulb, but we want to get rid of mercury. Let's just ban the fluorescent light bulb. But what they don't understand is that there are probably more, I'll tell you this for sure, for every human being in the United States, there's probably 54 foot fluorescent tubes right now in operation. Something crazy, some crazy number like that, right? Yeah. And so the other thing is that there's all manner of specific light bulbs. Like I have a, of a, a little... This is just a, um, a counter mat that we nail distributors use that have all different kinds of shapes and types of bulbs. You know, blanket bands on stuff, I, I don't think are helpful. I think you probably could say to Home Depot, you're not allowed to sell this light fixture in the state of Massachusetts. And then you have like a balkanization all across the United States of different rules and it just makes it difficult to do business. And the other thing is that if you don't, if you do that without enforcement, if you don't have a proper enforcement strategy, you're just going to make the, the cheaters stronger and the compliers weaker, right? See, so, I don't think you even need to get into banning specific products. So I guess what I'm talking about is like the buyer, right? The person who's mm -hmm. purchasing from the distributor. Can you also educate them and say, instead of filling your shelves with all, let's say 4,000K, you know, par 38 floodlights, could you do 2,700K par 30s? Because at the end of the day, people go in and just say, there's the one that looks like the thing and they're not going to look at any numbers on the box. So sometimes it's just, what about you put on your, your, your end cap and your store and, and can we, can we, can we ask them, Hey, you know, still have these available. If someone has a task, you know, you can have a little mm -hmm. row for this, but can you start generally shifting it a little bit over in this direction? I think that would make a huge difference, you know, instead of the, the, you know, the, the new doorway lights, um, Instead, you know, you can have a couple of those horrible ones. You know, there's some some reason why somebody might still want that. But can you start buying products X, Y, and Z regardless if they have an IDA sticker or whatever on it uh, that have full shielding? You know, I don't think that's a that's a heavy lift, and you don't you don't need to have regulation for that. People still ultimately would have the freedom to to buy what they need, but just start filling the shelves. You know. Um, when you when you go to Lowe's or Home Depot online, there's a dark sky click box on the side now, right? That's a good start. Now it's it, it's is a good there, start. On, it's on it's a Lowe's. mess. Lowe's.com is there a Lowe's.com click box that says dark skies? Is that legit? I I there I believe there is. I forget. I think it's called something slightly different. Um, 
The thing is, you get a lot of lights that are not what I would call dark sky compliant or whatever you want to say it. Um, clean it up, you know, make it an actual curated section. Um, well, forget about Lowe's or Home to... Depot. Forget about them because I would say the vast majority of outdoor lighting manufacturers do not have a dark sky section on their website. The vast, no, like they the don't. People they... that make all the lights. They may not know. I see. I think they're missing a huge opportunity here, Me right? Too. Like, so to get back to one of your original points, <laughs> we agree on I that. This is we a, agree on that. Yeah, sure. I think there's this selling point of like, because when you explain it to people, they're like, "Well, I actually, I would totally buy whatever if it's just roughly the same cost. I would pay whatever uh, to get the the one that's better. It's better for you know X, Y, or Z." Um, and I'll give you an example. Um, GE makes a really nice floodlight. That's 2700K, the LEDs recessed, so you get some sort of like partial shielding to begin with. Um, and and I, I tried them out on a couple situations. And I'm like, why don't they market this? Why isn't this on the shelves? Because I think if people tried this, and, and there's other clones, other manufacturers make similar ones if I look, so I don't want to pick favorites. But, you know, the, there are products available now that solve a whole bunch of these issues, maybe not all the way, but most of the way. And they're just not pushing it and or maybe you know people are not putting it on the shelves because you can special order them some of these lights they exist but they're not filling the shelves and i think if they were just there people would would buy them without thinking just as they do now and and that would start solving the problem we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one but uh this has been Fair an enough. awesome conversation tim i mean i really appreciate you coming on the show and it's been an hour and 15 minutes I'm going to ask you, I'm going to close it out, but I'm going to ask you to stick around for one more minute after, if that's okay. I'll still be here. Any final thoughts for Thank the you. listeners? Any final thoughts for the listeners before we head off? Uh, my, my, my big suggestion is go outside and look up. I, I think connect <laughs> with the night sky. And, and if you feel like you're missing something in it, do something about it. If you made it to the end, that's a lot longer. We try to keep in half an hour. Tim and I went an hour and 15 minutes because, you know what? I was enjoying the conversation, and I was challenging him, and he was challenging me, and that's what we're trying to get someplace we got to do in this situation. So, folks, if you made it to the end here, um, I know from Scott and myself and the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, we love you guys. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky-friendly products than Evluma. Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding or the Ariamax with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.